Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. Lemon is dead, but religious freedom lives. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom with Holly Mead. Well, what is lemon? That's a question that we want to begin with. But let me, before we say that, is on June 27, the Supreme Court overruled a 1971 decision called Lemon versus Kurtzman. It's a terrible decision that we've asked the Supreme Court for decades to overturn, and now they did. So on June 24, they overruled the 1973 abortion decision, terrible distortion of the Constitution, had no basis in the Constitution. Then on the next Monday, June 27, they overruled this Lemon versus Kurtzman decision going back to 1971. You know, I remember, Matt, us talking about it when the Maryland Peace Cross case was up for the Supreme Court. The lemon test came up again, and Scalia had said that it was like a skeleton in the closet, and they would bring it out every once in a while to kind of scare people. That's right, they would, and they would put it back in when they didn't need it. Yeah. When it was convenient, they would bring it out and scare these little, uh, you know, legislative representatives, uh, city council, other local government officials so that they would back away from anything. Right. But what does the lemon test say? Well, the lemon test was a case called Lemon versus Kurtzman, and there's two iterations of it. There's first the lemon test. It had a three-part test. And one of the things you had to ask is, is the uh, purpose of this secular? Is if you, Let's just take the nativity scene. Does it have a secular purpose? Does a nativity scene display have a emphasizing the word a, secular purpose. Or the peace cross, does it have a secular purpose, right? Right, right. The second one would be, does it primarily advance religion? And the third test would be, does it excessively entangle the government with religion? And it was usually on the first or second prong that these particular displays, religious displays, religious words were struck down or they were upheld. So you look at, for example, the nativity scene. Does it, does the display, have a secular purpose? Well, that depends upon the judge, number one, and the display. And if you're focusing a single snapshot of one day and you're zeroed in on the nativity scene, then you would have to say, well, no, it only has a religious purpose. Mm -hmm. But if you widen your lens a little bit larger on that same day and you say, oh, well, there's Santa Claus and there's a reindeer, well, then the whole display has at least a secular purpose. That's what one judge could say. But another judge could say, no, the nativity scene is bigger than everything else. Santa Claus is not close enough to the nativity scene. There's not enough reindeer. There's not enough Christmas trees. There's not enough snowflakes. Even though they're celebrating the birth of Christ. <laughs> right. And so they dance around and they try to secularize the display. It has to have a secular purpose. So that's why some nativity scenes were upheld by judges and some nativity scenes were struck down by judges. And let's take it into a different context. Let's look at a snowing in the winter in certain states. And now 
snow fills the road and snow fills the parking lots of the shopping mall and a church, and they're side by side. The parking lots are literally side by side. And so now on Sunday, because the snowfall happened on Saturday, so now Sunday, early morning, the snowplows come out, and those are paid for by the city to plow the roads. So the snowplows are plowing the road right in front of the church and in front of the parking lot. That's okay. The snowplows go into the parking lot because people are going to come there later that day, and they plow the parking lot so people don't slip and fall in the parking lot. Well, what if the snowplow also says, well, people are going to be coming, driving and going and walking in this adjoining parking lot at the church. Let's just take our plow in there and let's plow it as well. The whole reason why we're plowing is for people to have access and for safety, and those people need the same as well. One judge would say that's in a violation of the lemon test. Another judge would say that's okay because it has a secular purpose. One judge would say, but it's only focused on the church. Another judge would say, well, no, it also includes the secular shopping mall nearby. Or all the Floridians would say, well, it's moot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Floridians would say it's moot. Like, what are you all talking yeah, about? Really, we have no idea. <laughs> well, the second prong of the lemon test was... Does it have a primary effect of endorsing or purpose of endorsing religion? And you have to say, well, what's the primary effect of that nativity scene display? What's the primary purpose of it? Well, if somebody says, well, it's to celebrate the birth of Jesus, boom, you lost. That's the lemon test. Then the lemon test got modified to what's called the endorsement test. The endorsement test was something that Justice O'Connor created, kind of modifying Lemerick. Sort of like how Planned Parenthood 1992 modified Roe v. Wade. It took the trimester system and turned it into just a pure viability system. Mm -hmm. And so O'Connor turned the pure lemon test into an endorsement test, and so she created this reasonable observer. This person has to be informed of the different history. And that reasonable observer would make a subjective kind of objective decision. Is this an endorsement of religion or is this not an endorsement of religion? Well, it depends, you know, on that observer. It depends upon that judge. It's kind of like a little icon that you create in a video game. And, and in fact, uh, Justice Gorsuch has a very good analogy of that. And he says, you pick one of these little icons and it has a foul mood. And you just ask him the reaction to this religious display. It could be... The nativity scene could be the Ten Commandments, could be the word under God and the Pledge All of Allegiance. Yeah. You know, and you ask the icon, irrespective of what the Constitution says, how do you feel about that? Right. Well, I feel that it's a violation of the Establishment Clause. Bzz, it has to be eliminated. How do you feel about it? I think it's okay. Okay, it stands. It's very subjective. So that's what Scalia said. We use it when we want to. We don't use it when we don't want to. It's just like this late goblin in a, in a late night horror show. You bring it out, you scare people, and then you put it back in the closet till you need it. So now that it's dead, do we not have to be concerned like with nativity scenes and having secular items? Can we just focus on a nativity scene? Yes, you can. And in fact, Hallelujah. take, for example, the 2005 Ten Commandments cases, one of them that I argued and we filed briefs in the lower court uh, in the other one. One was out of Texas. It was a standalone Ten Commandments monument. The other was our display of a historical presentation of different historical documents, including the Ten Commandments in Kentucky. Both of them went to the Supreme Court. I argued one. The other attorney, actually, it was the governor now of Texas, 
Abbott, who was the attorney general at the time, and he argued the other one. They were decided the same day. The Supreme Court did not use the Lemon Test in the Texas Ten Commandments case, but used the Lemon Test in our Kentucky Ten Commandments case. Ten Commandments, same day, argued, same day, decided. One used the test, one didn't. Unbelievable. Now what happened is the Supreme Court in the Kennedy case said no more. And that decision now guts Lemon forever. It's over. Lemon is dead. And now religious freedom lives. So we don't have to play those court-made games. Mm -hmm. And what did the court say we're going to replace the Lemon Test with? A historical view of the First Amendment. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Let's just look at what the First Amendment really meant. Let's not put all these judicial glosses on it. It's kind of like... You know, rabbinical history. One rabbi says something about a text. Another rabbi quotes it. You have about 50 other rabbis through history quoting that rabbi. And so way down the line is the teaching you get. And you never go back and read the original text as to, is that even based in the text? And again, you know, it's so important to have originalist judges and justices because you see the difference in now these religious freedom victories are happening, including getting rid of the lemon test. Yeah, since 1989, when we founded Liberty Council, we wanted to do several things. And one of them is to overturn this 1971 lemon test. And we've argued it multiple times. Now, in 2022, lemon is dead. The high court wrote that, in fact, just this term, the court unanimously rejected the city's attempt to censor religious speech on lemon based on Lemon and the endorsement test. And that they're referring to our win, the Christian flag case. Yeah, they're referring to the Shirtliff versus City of Boston case. So this was decided, our case, on May the 2nd. The lower court relied upon the Lemon test to censor the Christian flag. The Supreme Court unanimously rejected that 9-0. to zero. I said then that that would form the foundation for a win in the Coach Kennedy case, and indeed it did on June 27. Lemon is gone. Lemon is dead. Religious freedom is alive and well. For more information, visit Liberty Council's website, lc.org. That's lc.org. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Get informed and get involved today. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. Call us at 407-875-1776. The website again, lc.org.